this, and I want you to uh, uh, write this down because I believe that you're going to see this come to pass this year. We're going to get into the message in a moment in 1 Samuel 30. Um, I preached at our home church a couple weeks ago uh, and, and gave this message. I believe it's for our fellowship. I believe it's for all of our churches. I definitely believe it's for ours. And uh, we're coming off this 21 days of fasting and, and miracles and believing God for all these powerful things that he's going to do. And I've been, I was telling you that um, we hadn't even seen, you know, we've seen some, like you just heard the testimony of a, of a $10,000 bonus. Amen. Every service we've been having testimonies, if you haven't noticed, we'll have another one tonight. Um, or maybe this, this morning, depending on time. But it's, it's almost where we're having to try to figure out how to fit them in, which is a good problem, amen? And, uh, that, but we haven't seen even the beginning yet, I'm telling you. And this is the words different from the message. So I've got a word for the fast, and then I've got a word for the year. Okay, so first is for the fast. Whether you did it or not, I believe that you're going to see fruit from this. But we're going to, I was saying during the fast, we did through, through the end of January, for anybody that's new or visiting and and, and uh, if you are, welcome to the church, amen, to Victory World Outreach. We're glad you're here. Um, but we, we, I, was, I kept saying and feeling in my spirit that we were going to see little things we were seeing was a bonus. But we weren't going to see all the things that God was going to do during that praying and fasting. And as many of us know, there's been great attacks as well, uh, physically and, and uh, financially. And, and we see the attacks going on in our world, and there's always going to be that attack. There's always going to be opposition, as I preached last, last Sunday when I was talking about faith. Um, but I want to give you a word that will excite you this morning out of the book of Amos. And just, just write it down and look at it later because I'm going to read it out of the Amplified because the Amplified does exactly what it says. It amplifies it and it makes it so much more powerful. I believe that I told you that we were going to see the results come and they're going to come fast. There's two words, and I know that I'm trying to make this as clear as possible. There's two words. This is one of them. We're going to get to that in a second. But I feel this for this year. One is acceleration. I believe this is a year of acceleration. I believe that things that we've been waiting for are going to come fast. I believe things that have seemed like they've been delayed are going to show up all of a sudden. I believe things that you've been believing for are just going to, they're going to be there. And they're going to cut, you, you, you think it's been waiting so long and all of a sudden, bam. And you, and you think, man, it wasn't that long after all. I'm telling you, there's an acceleration. God is going to do things this year that he hasn't done in 10 years. God's going to do things this year he hasn't done ever in your life. Amen. God is going to do things in acceleration. It's going to be like a roller coaster ride. And, it's, and, and not only that, the things that are going to come are going to come like Amos says. Behold, the days are coming. Uh, verse 13. Says the Lord, listen to this, when the plowman shall overtake the one who gathers the harvest. You know what that means? That means that you're going to begin to sow harvest and sow seed and see harvest and see increase and see blessing and see promises happening before you've even finished sowing the seed. That means that, that when you're sowing seed over here and, and you're waiting for that little green to come up out of the ground and say, yes, there it is, and all of a sudden a harvest is going to be falling upon you as you're watching that little green pop out of the ground from somewhere else. Can somebody say amen? What I'm reading to you is more exciting than how you're acting right now. Amen. Listen to this. It says, the, sowed, the seed will be overtaken by the harvest, and the one who treads the grapes shall overtake him who sows the seed, for the harvest continues until planting time. Now, this is really good. When the mountains will drip sweet wine and the hills shall melt. Listen to this. That is everything that was once barren 
everything that was once barren will overflow with streams of blessing. Can you say amen? Everything that was barren will overflow with streams of blessing. That is the word for this year from our praying and fasting. You write it down and you tell me later on in March and April and July and August and September and all throughout this year, you look back at this word I'm giving you right now and you're going to say it was true. It's not me, it's the word of the Lord, amen? And he is going to accelerate these things and he's going to do it in a way we've never expected and he's going to do it better than we expected, amen? And that's going to lead into the word this morning. We're going to talk about restoration. And I want to read out of 1 Samuel chapter 30. You mean amen if you're there? <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 1. Now, it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. I want you to understand something as we're getting into this story right here, and I'm going to really break this down and really give you a word for this year of what God is going to do that I believe in all, with all my heart. He, he's, he's showing us here that uh, he says in this second verse, he says, from small to great they were taken away, but they did not kill anyone. This means, church, that we can lose things, we can have things taken from us, but it does not destroy us. Okay? There are things that we lose in our lives that, that sometimes we think have destroyed us. We think, man, I'll never see that again. That's lost. That's forgotten. That's broken. That's gone. It's, it's kind of like that car. You look at that car, and, and look what that restoration does. When, when someone takes a, a vehicle, when someone takes a piece of furniture, when somebody takes a house, when somebody takes anything, and they restore it, they do it better than the time before it was, when, when it was the first time built, right? New parts, better parts, and it's better than it ever was before. And so we think sometimes that when we're going through some struggles that we've lost it or that God has forgotten about me. Or that God is too busy to hear my prayers. And we're seeing this in this story. And I want to give you a quick just lead in. David is coming out of a battle. And he has been chased by Saul. How many know that story? Amen. King Saul is chasing him. He's jealous of him. How many know you're going to have some people jealous of you when God is blessing you and using you? Come on, somebody. You're going to have some people. If you don't have some enemies this morning, you're not doing nothing for God you got to have some enemies. You're not, not you're looking for enemies. You're not wanting enemies. You're not seeking enemies out. But if you're doing something for God, you're going to have some people mad at you, and you're going to have some people jealous over you because they want what you have. And so David is being pursued by Saul, and, and so much so that Saul, David has to leave his country. He has to leave his people. Listen to this. You think you got it bad this morning. David is so chased by Saul that he leaves and goes to the enemy. He has to go live with the enemy. And the only way he can survive is he, is he has to either fight against the enemy or join the enemy. Now, I'm not telling you to join the enemy this morning. Amen? But David was in some real trouble. And he said, you know what? I ain't got nowhere to go except the land of the Philistines. Here I am. And, he's, and, and so he begins to just do what David does, which is win. He just begins to be, have favor. He just begins to keep his heart right. 
And all of a sudden he joins the Philistines and he begins to do what he did because God is with him. God prospers him everywhere he goes. And so now the Philistines are mad at him and they're beginning to wonder if he's going to switch back on them and he's going to, you know, kind of trade, be a trader. And so the Philistines say, we don't want nothing to do with you anymore, David. They kind of used him. And so now even the enemy doesn't want him. Nobody wants David. He's being chased on every side. He has everything going wrong. Nothing's going right. And now, here's where we pick up the story. He comes back to the city of Ziklag, and, and they are, watch this as we begin to read on, they are expecting to, to come back from this victory, and they're expecting to see some smoke from the, from the oven, from food being cooked, so they can have a nice meal after a long battle. And that's what they're wanting to see when they come back. And guess what? They see smoke. But it's not from, a, from an oven. Let's read what verse 3 says. David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. And David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Can you imagine having, how many have ever been there? Let me ask you that. Have you ever been in such a battle, in such turmoil, in such struggle that you, you cried until there was no tears left to come out of your head? Come on. I'm talking to somebody this morning. There's nothing left. And you think, this can't get any worse. Every single, let me, let me give you some, some insight this morning to make you uh, happy. And by the way, this is going to be an awesome, exciting message, okay? This isn't a doom and gloom message. Just stay with me, all right? How many know you got to get the bad news for the good news to be good? Yeah. Right? Every story's got to have a villain if to have a hero. Every story's got to have a, a bad problem to have a good ending. So we're going to get to the good ending in a second, Amen. But right now, we're at the worst of the worst. We're in a real bad situation. David is really struggling. Now he comes back and finds that all of his, of his city he lives in is destroyed, totally destroyed. There's nothing left. All of his men's families are gone. They have kidnapped all the wives, all the kids. Everybody's gone, and everything's burned. That's what he comes back to, thinking he's coming back to a meal. And, and listen, this is important to understand this morning. Sometimes God will get us in a place where we are at a place that only place we can look, up, look is up. Come on. God will allow you to get into a situation that seems horrible, but it's the right place at the right time because God's about to do something. Amen? If you think it's bad right now in your situation and your life, be excited because it's about to get better. God will allow you to get to a place where you have nowhere else to run. Where's David going to run to? He doesn't even have a home to run to anymore. His wife and kids are gone. Everything's burned up. It can't get any worse, can it? Yeah, it can. Yeah, it can. In the Bible, it can get worse. Amen. Watch what happens now. So he, he weeps till they can't weep anymore. His two wives, uh, Abigail, and Ainoam are gone, the widow of Nabal the Carmel. They've been taken captive. Now watch this. All that I just read you is pretty bad. And the Bible says, and now, now David is greatly distressed. See, just when you think it's gotten as bad as it can get, all of a sudden you find another level of bad. Amen? 
another level of low, another level. He says, he didn't say, and then there was more distress. He says, now David was greatly distressed. Why? Because the men left are speaking of stoning him. So it got worse. Now everybody in the camp is not only mad that someone came. They're not mad at the the, uh, Amalekites. They're not mad at anybody else. They're mad at their leader. They're mad at their leader. They're saying, David, this is your fault. And let me tell you something. This is important. I want you to get this. A lot of times in our lives, we get blamed for stuff that is not our fault. I'm not pointing at me as a leader. I'm talking about just a general. And a lot of times, we're battling things in our lives that had nothing to do with us. Somebody get that. We're battling things in our lives that we didn't, I'm not, getting, I'm not trying to get you off the hook. not saying we don't ever do anything to cause problems. You might be here and be in some problems that you've caused. But I'm saying there are some struggles we go through as believers that we have to face because somebody else made a mistake. Because somebody else did something wrong. Because somebody else uh, made bad decisions. And, and then we're having to face it because we're in a real world. Amen? And this is what David's going and facing right now because the Bible says, <clears throat> if you know the story, that if, if anybody, anybody was reading this, you heard the word Amalekites. Does that ring a bell to anybody? Does anybody know that name, Amalekites? I'm talking about David and Saul and the Amalekites. And so here we are listening to a story where David is, is, has had his city called Ziklag destroyed by the Amalekites. Well, if you know the story of Saul... The Bible said in 1 Samuel 15, just about 15 chapters earlier, you can read that later, you'll see that Samuel tells Saul to go and utterly destroy the Amalekites. How many remember that now, that I said that? He says, go and utterly destroy the Amalekites. Guess what Saul did? Saul went and did what he thought he should do, and he didn't utterly destroy the Amalekites. And he kept some of the plunder, and he didn't kill the king, and he didn't obey the voice of God. And so because of that, David is suffering now. If, if Saul would have killed the Amalekites, there would have been no Amalekites to kill or to take his city, Ziklag, and destroy it. So David has done nothing wrong, yet he's in the worst position of his life. Somebody's going to get that tomorrow afternoon. That revelation is going to come to you. It's going to hit you, and you're going to realize, you mean I can be doing good things? I can be doing right things? I can be living for the Lord and still have some problems? You mean everything's not because I did something bad? Yeah, that's what the Bible says. You can be doing everything right and still have problems. Come on, somebody. You're thinking, well, what's the good news? I'm going to get there. I'm just trying to get you to understand that not everything you're facing that's bad is because you did something wrong. A lot of times we think, God, are you mad at me? God, what did I do wrong? Where did I miss the boat? What's going on here? And God is wanting to teach us through his word. He's not mad at us. He loves us. He's got good things for us. He's got promises for us. Can you say amen? He's got blessings for us. He's got a future and a hope for us. he's got awesome things prepared for those who love him but we got to get his word and say lord give me a revelation i want you to lift your hands right now where you're at and close your eyes and i'm gonna pray for us father i pray right now for the next few minutes that you'd give us a revelation father of your word 
Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that we are going to walk out of this place with a word that is going to last this entire year, that is going to take us to another level, Father, take us to another dimension of faith and favor and blessings and understanding, God, and you're going to open up the doors of heaven upon us this morning. Lord, anoint your word and anoint what I say through your word, and devil, you are defeated in the name of Jesus. And everybody said? Say, I receive that. Say, I receive that. Guess what? You don't, even, you don't even got the receiving yet. Wait till I get you to the receiving part. Amen. So here we are seeing this. How many see the story here? It's bad. And they're going to stone him. And it says, verse 6, because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and daughters. Now watch this. Here's the key. Here's the key. But David... But David, can somebody read that with me this morning? But David went and pouted. But David went and cried more. But David went and found somebody who would cry with him. But David went and got drunk. But David went and looked for what the world looks for. Answers here and answers there. No, David went and encouraged himself in the Lord. Listen closely. The people who are going to see God's blessing in 2018 are not the people who have to run to the pastor or to another person to get their answer from God. The people who are going to see breakthrough in 2018 are the people who know how to get a hold of God for themselves. Encouraging themselves in the Lord and saying, God, I'm happy when somebody's around me. I'm happy when I pray corporately. I'm happy when somebody says, let's pray together. But I'm also saying, God, I'm an army with you, and I don't need anybody else. If anybody else is around, praise the Lord. But I'm an army all by myself. Can you say amen? And I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. And whether you see a blessing or not, I'm going to see a blessing. Whether you see a breakthrough or not, I'm going to see a breakthrough. Whether you see a miracle or not, I'm going to see a miracle. I'm going to wake up every day this year, and I'm going to say, God, the best is yet to come. Lord, I'm ready for your miracles. I'm ready for your provision. I'm ready for breakthrough. I'm ready for revival. I'm ready for change. I'm ready for something different. I'm ready for what your word has promised me that I can have. And nobody is going to stop me from getting it. In Jesus' name. That's what I'm going to get. That's what somebody else in here is going to get when you understand that David encouraged himself in the Lord. God allows us to get to the place where we have nowhere else to go but God. But God. Say, Lord, I, I don't need anybody else. Now, listen, I'm not making this Lone Ranger. You know, if you know me, I don't I preach against being a Lone Ranger. That's why you're here this morning in a church setting with other people. That's why we come together like this. But, but we're not going to be together tomorrow. We're not going to be together Tuesday. We're not going to be together every moment. So when you're by yourself is when you've got to win the victories. You've got to learn how to get the, a hold of the throne of God, get on your face before God, and get the word for yourself because there's going to be some times in your life when you're going to have to encourage yourself in the Lord. There's going to be times when your friends and family are against you. There's going to be times when people are going to squash your dreams. 
There's going to be times when you are ready to conquer the world, and the world says, no, you're not, and you got to say, yes, I am. And like I said last week, like my pastor says, you charge the gates of hell with a water gun. And say, I'm going to defeat the gates of hell with this water gun. Amen? Because I'm an army with God. With God, all things are possible. But you got to encourage yourself. Now imagine if everybody begins to encourage themselves. What can we have? Miracles. Quickly, just to take a second on this, hold that 1 Samuel 30. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but for this message, it has to be mentioned again. Mark chapter 8. If you want to go there real quick. I just want to read this real quick. I'm not going to spend as much time as I did on it last time, but somebody needs to hear this. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Give me a shout when you get there. Amen. Here's the story. I'm going to read it quickly. I'm going to even paraphrase it. It's Jesus having the blind man of Bethsaida come to him. Some of you remember me mentioning this. And he was blind. They begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, and after this service, we're going to spit on people's eyes today, amen. We're going to get people healed through spitting, amen. He had some weird ways, amen. I'm just kidding. But how many know if you wanted a miracle, you can spit on me, you can spit at me, you can do whatever you want. Just get me a miracle, amen. I'll take it. If you're sick enough, you take anything, amen. So that man got his eyes spit on, but that's not the point of the message. So he says, He says, after spitting on his eyes and praying for him, he says, what do you see? And the man says, I see men like trees walking. Some of you will remember me mentioning this. And the revelation that God gave me that I'd never heard in my life about this is that the thought is, how in the world can somebody who's blind know what trees look like? How? How? only way that man, now there's a supernatural element of course, but the only way that man could know what trees look like is that at one point he had had sight. And that's the reason a lot of times, church, we can't get restoration in our lives because we've lost sight of what things used to look like. Get that. We've lost sight of what God told us. We've, we've, we've been blinded again by the enemy. And so for, for so many years I've preached that even in crusades and different times of praying for people. And it was always used of the aspect of, okay, you, you didn't get total healing, let's pray again. And that was the way we saw that. I never saw the understanding that this man at one point had had sight. It's the only way, how many are getting me? You can't know what trees look like if you've never seen a tree. If he was blind his entire life, he would have never been older. He would have said, I, I see black. I, don't, I see shadows. He wouldn't even know what a tree looks like. But that man had lost his focus. That man had lost his sight. There's some people in here this morning, just like I'm losing my voice, have lost your sight. You used to see clearly. You used to have a vision for God. You used to have a dream to do something for the Lord. And maybe it wasn't even for the Lord because you've gotten saved. You didn't know the Lord at that time. But you have lost your dreams, lost your visions. And God is saying through this, this story right here, God wants to give you your sight back again. God wants you to be looking again to the future and stop looking to the past. Somebody received that this morning. So we go back to 1 Samuel chapter 30. I'm going to put a cough drop in. Is that all right? All right. Thank you. 1 Samuel chapter 30. You there? So 
Let, let, me, let me get you something to understand here right before I begin to kind of close this out. In the encouraging of myself, David said in Psalm 121, 1 and 2, he said, I'll lift my eyes up to the hills from whom my help comes. There's something powerful about you and me in our car, in our living room, in our workplace, in an afternoon, in a morning, when nobody else is around and I'm having church and I'm having a breakthrough through praise and prayer and, and reading the word because nobody else is around. But I'm getting a hold of God and I'm understanding that my help comes not from the government. My help comes not from somebody else, but my help comes from the Lord. Whom my eyes are on, David says. I lift up my eyes to the hills from whom my help comes. Amen. Acts 17 says, for in him we live and move have our being. Now watch this. It's 1 Samuel chapter 30 again. We, we continue to read. Verse 7, he says, David says to Abiathar the priest, Amalek's son, please bring the ephod to me. An ephod is a symbol of seeking the Holy Spirit and seeking direction of the Lord. So he says, bring the ephod. Abiathar brings it to him, verse 7, and David inquires of the Lord. I want to say this real quick. Too many times, I'm guilty myself. We inquire of everything but the Lord. I'm going to say that again and get a, a, an honest amen. We inquire of everything but the Lord. We get in trouble. We get sick. We we're in a struggle or facing something. And we go every direction. And the last thing we do is call on God when it should be the first thing. We, we, we can be sick and we run to medicine instead of saying, Lord, I take authority over this sickness in my body right now. I'm not going to allow this to defeat me. And we, there's nothing wrong with taking medicine. But did we pray first? Did we inquire of the Lord first? We do things without asking God. And then we get mad at God and God says, I never gave it to you. And you never asked for it. Or if you asked for it, I didn't want to give it to you. But you did it anyways. How many are following me? We do all this stuff. We don't inquire of the Lord. But listen, this year we're going to see restoration because we're going to inquire of the Lord. We're going to ask God what we should do before we make a decision. Amen. And we're going to declare his word over our lives. And so he says, should I go and pursue this enemy? And shall I overtake them in verse 8? And he says, you shall pursue them. Now, if you don't get anything else out of this message, get verse 8. He says, you shall pursue them. And I want you to see a word from the Lord right here. He says, pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Let me say that again because I don't think it sunk in what I just read. He says, you shall pursue them and without fail. I've told you the Bible teaches us God can do two things. There's two things he can't do. He can't lie and he can't fail. You didn't know there was something, something God couldn't do. He can't lie, and he can't fail. So why are we not more happy? Why are we not more excited? Maybe you're wondering why some of us in here this morning were shouting and clapping and excited. Because I'm going to preach this on Easter. I'm going to get ahead of it. We serve a God who's undefeated. We serve a God who cannot lose, has never lost, and never will lose. 
Yet we walk around with our heads down sometimes. And we got a word here that says, if you think you've lost some stuff, don't worry. Because you're going to get it back. And not only are you going to get it back, I'm going to give it back to you better than it was before. Because the Bible says that when God gives us something, he always saves, somebody get this, he always saves the best for? Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, that's the God we serve. Matter of fact, he says the latter, the later, the after will be better than the first. Come on, somebody. Look around to somebody. Encourage somebody around you and say, it's going to get better. Come on. It's going to get better. I need, I need you to grab this. This is, this is one of those messages that's going to carry us. This is one of those messages that at certain services of the year, it might not even be a song you like, but you're going ha- to j- jump into a happy dance because you're going to realize this word I'm telling you right now is happening. You're going to begin to recover stuff that, you, listen, you've lost stuff that you forgot you lost. <laughs> Have you ever found something just as simple as finding a $20 bill in your pocket or somewhere you found some money or you, and you, you don't even remember you lost it? Yeah. It's fun to find money, but it's even better when you don't remember you lost it. Amen. Amen. God's got some stuff for you this year. He's going to put back in front of you. Somebody please get this. He's going to put it back in front of you, and it's going to look so good that you're going to forget what it looked like before because it was ugly, and it was messed up, and it was dirty, and it wasn't really what God had for you. He says, I'm going to give that back to you, but I'm going to give it back to you like I give things. Perfection. Restored. I'm going to put that original stuff back on but I'm going to put it on with today's technology so it'll last. Amen? Come on, somebody. He, get, he says you will recover all. Does anybody know what the definition of all is? Everything. Amen. Everything. I love that. So let's close with this. We see there these verses. I'm going to skip a bunch of verses here in 9 and going down. And I just want to, just in case you don't get what all means, we're going to see what God says down in verse 18. So David does what God tells him to do. Okay? David does what God tells him to do. Now, right before I I, I move on to this last verse, don't read it yet. This is important. Do you know what ziklag means? In the Hebrew, ziklag means to be pressed down and pressed together to find out what's inside. So Ziklag is the place that God wants us to be in our lives. He allows situations to be bad sometimes so that we be pressed down and pushed together to a way where God can reveal what's inside of us. You know that's what gives God glory, right? See, a lot of times, here's the thing. I want you to listen to this. A lot of times we want the restoration without the loss. Yeah, thank you. You'll get that tomorrow too. We want, the, we want something restored, but we don't want to lose it. You can't restore something that hasn't been lost. I want a better marriage. Sometimes you've got to realize how bad your marriage is before you get a better one. Sometimes you've got to go through some sicknesses. I was telling some people this morning, when you get sick, it's no fun, but you realize how, fu- how fun health is. If you don't ever get sick, you forget how good it feels to be healthy. If you don't ever have any loss, you forget what it's like to gain. 
And so God sometimes has to remind us. He's not doing it in a bad way because he's a good God. He's doing it in a good way. But sometimes he has to let us go to Ziklag. And he has to let us get things destroyed. Here's, I want to remind you in the beginning of that story, as I'm closing right now, I want to remind you that as David's family was gone, there's something very important you ought to understand. The Bible says those, those wives and kids were kidnapped but not killed. God will allow things to be taken from you. Listen, but God will not allow things to be destroyed. Do you know the story of Job? I'm not going to take time to go into the whole story, but the key to the whole story was what what did God tell Satan? You can touch him, but you can't have him. Come on, somebody. You can touch him, but you can't destroy him. You can take his health, you can take his family, you can take his house, you can take everything, but you can't have his soul. When you get an understanding, see, God's looking for some people this morning here that have an eternal perspective and are looking beyond just this life and understanding that this this is just temporary. That what we're doing this morning and what we're working for this morning is eternal. It has an eternal impact because I know that God is going to do something supernatural in this church this year. We're believing for supernatural growth. We're believing for supernatural abundance. We're believing for, 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 for this place to be packed out Amen. Twice on a Sunday morning. Just like this, but twice on a Sunday morning. Just to start. Until God starts showing us where where we're supposed to go next. I don't like moving, but I like filling. Amen. I'm I'm not looking to move, but I'm looking to grow. Amen. How many want growth in your life? But sometimes you gotta go through some ziklag. You gotta get pressed down a little bit. But there's a verse in the New Testament that's not in my notes that I just thought of that says, pressed down, shaken together. And running over. When God gets us pressed down and shaken together, His blessings start running over us. Amen. But He's got to let us get to that place sometimes of brokenness. We got to lose some stuff before we can get it restored. And I'm telling you, this year is the year of restoration. 18, David recovered, restored. David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. Now watch this, verse 19. Just in case you don't understand what all means, maybe you understand what nothing means. And nothing of theirs was lacking. Either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which with they had taken from them. And here's the word for you and me this year, church. David recovered all. David recovered all. David recovered all. I'm going to stick my name in there. Blake is going to recover all. Everything I've lost. Everything that's been stolen, everything that I've been believing for, everything that I've been waiting for, I'm going to put my name in there. And I'm going to say, God, I'm going to recover all. And you watch. You listen to this word of prophecy. You watch. Some have already been seeing it. And I'm speaking it by faith. 
because the just shall live by faith. And there's an excitement in that. You know, if you always saw everything you were believing for, you wouldn't, it wouldn't be any fun. You realize that? Six months ago, eight months ago, we were in a totally different place. This place didn't even exist. And it was scary. We didn't know where we were going to go. We didn't know what we were going we to do. We just knew we, we couldn't be where we were anymore. It, it, we were in Ziklag. Man, when you look back where we were, we were in Ziklag. It was destroyed. Everything we, we were doing was just, what, what's, what's going on, God? What are we doing wrong? God's like, you ain't doing nothing wrong. I'm, I'm working on a restoration project right now. I'm doing something here. And look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. It's just a picture of your life. You're here and you're saying, man, my marriage. My marriage, what happened to my marriage? My marriage used to be shiny. What happened to my relationship with my kids? What happened to my job? What happened to my career? Some of you saying, what happened to my walk with God? Man, it used to be so pretty. It used to be so awesome. I used to be so in love with God. What happened? God says, don't worry. I'm going to give it all back. And I'm going to give it back better. Because that's the kind of God I am. And man, I'm a God of restoration. Come on, somebody. If you really believe this word this morning, I want you to stand up. And I want you to give him a praise right now. Come on. If you really believe this word, I want you to stand up. And I want you to give God praise this morning. Just receive it right now. Father, we receive this word as a church. We receive this word as believers this morning. Father, that we shall recover all. Everything, God. Everything that's been lost. Everything that's been destroyed. Everything that's been broken. Everything that's been stolen. Lord, you're going to bring it back. Somebody this morning's getting this revelation right now. In the name of Jesus. Lord, give it back. 100-fold, God, this morning. Lord, we loose it in the spiritual realm right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over this place, Jesus cannot lie. Jesus cannot fail. He's a God of restoration. And I'm telling you, all you need to do this morning is believe. That's all you got to do. It's not some magical hocus pocus thing. It's the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. I just read you God's word. And he didn't write this book for David just for that time. He wrote it for all of us. He wrote that story for us this morning to restore. He wrote it for you to read it and say, that's for me. And it's not for next year. It's for this year. I'm going to see God restore everything I've lost. I'm going to get it all back, and I'm going to get it back better. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, you've never said the sinner's prayer, you've never given Jesus Christ lordship of your life. None of this restoration stuff can happen unless you give Jesus your life, your heart. He died for you. He loves you. He has a plan for you, and it's a good one. How many all over this place, before we move on and just pray this morning as a church, could say, Pastor, I don't know if I, if I died right now, 
If I died this morning, where I'd go? We had lots of examples this week. We don't need to go into them with the school shootings. Those, those life just happens so fast. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I think I'm going to die today. But tomorrow is not promised. Today, give your life to Jesus. If you're not sure, just put your hand up. I want to pray for you. Would you pray for me this morning? Just put it up. I'm not saved. All over this place. That's me. I'm going to wait just a moment. That's me. I'm not sure. I need to say the sinner's prayer. I need to put my faith in the hands of Jesus this morning. I need to make sure that I'm born again. Just slip your hand up and put it down. That's me. Amen. Maybe you're backslidden. You've known the Lord in your life, but you're cold. You're angry. You're mad. You're frustrated. You don't know. You don't, you're asking questions, and those are okay. But your heart's not right with God, and you need to get back to that first love this morning. How many can say that's me? Amen. God bless you. God sees your hand. Get back to that first love. The first and foremost thing God wants to restore this morning is that. Better than any money, better than any house, better than any relationship, is that you get your life restored with God. It's the most important thing because once you do that, everything else happens. It's a bonus. Amen. We're going to sing this song this morning. If you want to connect this word with your life this morning, I want to challenge you to come out of your seat this morning and stand at this altar as we sing. I want you to make a step of faith, to step out of your seat and say, I'm going to come forward and connect my faith with this word that this year I'm going to recover all. Amen. As you step out, just come by faith. I'm, I'm already here. I'm, I'm receiving it. I don't want anybody to miss out on this. Don't look back later in the year and say, man, I should have, I should have made a step of faith. I can't, I can't imagine that anybody is in here and doesn't need some recovery or something. Everybody in here has got stuff they've lost. But I, I'm telling you, God wants to do some stuff this year where he'll, he'll amaze us. You know that that's what God likes to do? He likes to amaze us. He likes to do stuff where we go, wow. Wow, God, I didn't even know I'd lost that. I didn't even know, I forgot I lost that. Dreams. One of the things I hold on to every single year is that I'm going to see a revival. A mighty revival. A mighty outpouring of God's presence. A mighty move of salvation. That's what I want to see. And every year, I, I say, God, I'm going to recover that which I've lost, which is what a dream because I haven't seen it yet I don't think maybe God hides it from me I know I've seen some stuff but I've not seen what I know God wants to show us amen so you know what you're here for we're going to sing this song and we're going to worship the Lord and declare that this is the year that I recover all amen all let's worship this morning